welcome to the Chad Cargill ACT Test Prep Podcast, coming to you from the Ollie Ray Ranch, Choctaw, Oklahoma. It's great to be with you for episode 31, more misconceptions about the ACT and how to avoid them, part two. My goal is to get practical tips to help you increase ACT scores, qualify for college, and win those much needed seasons. talk college, careers, and most of all, test taking strategies and tips. Well, as I said last week, I hear a lot of people tell students what they should do to raise their ACT scores. Sometimes that advice is valid, or too many times it's just not accurate. So in this episode, I'm going to continue to clear up many of those misconceptions about the ACT. Now, by the time this airs, I'm a little bit mistaken, but by the time this airs, I will be right in the midst of a lot of workshops to you and I'm, I'm really hoping that you'll be able to join for a workshop it's a three-hour class and I think you'll find it's not as bad as you probably expect uh, it's a uh, high energy uh, we laugh a lot we learn a lot we take a lot of notes but uh, it, it goes by pretty quickly and uh, if, if you heard about the workshop through this podcast make sure you come talk to me come let me know that I would really like to know that that would be uh, helpful and just come say hello and hang around afterwards and talk to me or whatever but I certainly would like to get to meet you and talk to you at the workshops that would be great so let's continue last week I talked through five common misconceptions and this week I want to expand on that I think this is going to end up being a three-week series because uh, I've got quite a few of these left and so I'm thinking it's going to be three weeks, and hopefully you're gaining some information uh, through each of these episodes that's going to be helpful to you and may open the door for other questions. And if you have other questions, don't hesitate to reach out to me. Just post it on the Chad Cargo Workshop Facebook page. Send me an email, chat at chadcargill.com. Uh, either way, it's going to be great, but I certainly would love to answer those for you. So let's get started with Misconceptions Part 2. A common misconception, I will hear people say, hey, there's a ton of scholarships out there. Just apply and you'll win. Look, if it was that easy, everybody just go win a million scholarships. It's not going to be that easy. Uh, it takes time. Now, the problem is, is you've heard me say in past episodes how I've run scholarship committees and I couldn't even get anyone to apply, so we didn't give the money away. And you've heard the same from uh, the Tulsa Union College of Career Counselors. When we had, when we had Shanda on uh, and Emily on, they said the same. They had some scholarships they weren't even able to get away. So those do exist. There are circumstances uh, of scholarships like that. But you don't want to have the misconception that all you got to do is apply and you just start winning. So a, a crazy statistic that I've used, and it's based on a little bit of, of uh, statistics and, and research, but in general, I say the average student has to apply for 100 to win three. Now, certainly, if those are local scholarships, if the um, application base is smaller, then the odds are going to go way up that you're going to win. And if you have a great resume 
your odds of winning go way up. Now, this would be a great time, if you haven't already, to get to go to scholarships.chadcargo.com. Scholarships with an S.chadcargo.com. Type that right in your URL. A window will appear. It'll say, tell me where to send it. Put your name and email there. And then in your inbox, you're going to receive a PDF document of what I teach in the scholarship application segment at my workshop. And I show you how to word it on the application. Um, I, I give you project ideas, the whole works. And you can go back and listen to episodes 13, 14, 15, and 16. And that was my four-part series on scholarships. A lot of it is covered in those four episodes. But go back and listen to those. And then uh, that'll give you a little bit of information. Download that PDF. That way you'll have uh, the more extensive side of it. But if you follow that, you have a great resume, you have great projects, your odds of winning go way up. But still, it's not as simple as just apply and you go win all this money. So when people, I hear people talk about, well, college is really expensive, you know, and then, you know, the next response by so many is like, well, you just got to apply for scholarships. You can get it paid for. Again, man, it's not that easy. You got to be purposeful. You got to have a plan. Uh, and and you got to apply for a bunch. And that's what I really tried to go over in episode 13 was where I tried to lay out a plan for what you apply, how you figure out what those are, and how you manage those applications. So please don't get the idea that you're just going to, you know, apply for scholarships and, and go win a million. It has to be viewed as a job. And if you view it as a job, I think in the end, you'll find it's the best dollar per hour job you may ever have. If you apply for scholarships for 10 hours and you win a $1,000 scholarship, that's 100 bucks an hour tax-free. That's a lot of money. And sometimes I hear people, I mentioned this also in the, in the Tulsa Union episode, I hear people mention, oh, well, that's only a $1,000 scholarship. Are you kidding me? $1,000 is a lot of cash. So go apply, apply for everything. And yes, there are a lot of scholarships out there. It's not as simple as the statement of just apply and you'll win. Apply for a bunch and you'll win a few, and those few really add up. All right, the next misconception is that you should take the writing portion of the ACT. You should not take the writing portion of the ACT. The only reason why you would ever need to take the writing portion of the ACT, I know there's probably exceptions out there, but the only reason you would need to take the writing portion of the ACT is if you are applying to a college that requires it. Now, very few colleges require the writing portion of the ACT. So if they don't require it, don't take it. It's more time. It's more money. It's more stress. No, don't waste your time on it. Okay, but then here's a follow-up misconception to that. I'll tell a student that, and so they go, well, I'm a great writer, so I, I know I'm going to score really well. I want to take it. My response, okay, so you score really high. How did it help you? It didn't do anything. The colleges don't even look at it. They don't require it. They don't care. They don't look at it. So that leads to the next misconception. Yeah, but doesn't it raise my score? No. No, it doesn't raise your score. Now, I, I know that 
you know, people are like, well, wait, isn't there a combined score? So there's a combined score where they take an English score and a writing score and they have a chart and then they find where those numbers meet and that becomes a new combined score. Well, again, if the college doesn't use the writing test, they don't use the combined score. They use your English score. And sometimes people will think, yeah, but if that combined score is higher, don't they substitute that in for my English score and then recalculate my composite? No. Colleges that don't use the writing test are not going to look at the, at the combined score, and it does not affect your composite. So don't waste your time, man. Don't waste your money. Don't take the writing portion. The writing portion really was probably created by ACT to compete with SAT. They're, they were trying, and this is just complete speculation hunch here, but I think it makes sense. I mean, follow the dollars, man. Follow the dollars. I mean, you, you want to know why decisions are made in this world. Uh, typically, it's three things. It's money, power, and sex. And so uh, this one probably falls under the money. And uh, as most of the decisions I think they make probably follow the same. Uh, you follow the money. They, they're charging a lot for it. And they are trying to win market share from SAT. And so they're introducing the writing portion because they want their test to be an alternative. And they're trying to get more people to take the test. So uh, you do not need to take the writing test. Again, only if the college requires it, which most do not. The third common misconception is that you should take the ACT as a seventh grader. Now, I discussed this in length in episode one, when to take the ACT and why, the one, two, three plan. I will never shout at a parent over the seventh grade Duke talent search or whatever uh, ACT. I, I, you know, if you want to take that, that's fine. But when I hear people say, oh, you, you need to take that, that's important. No, it's really not. I don't care what you score as a seventh grader. It makes no difference. Uh, my, my fear is that a lot of students really put a lot of pressure like, oh my gosh, I've got to score really high. No, you don't. You're a seventh grader. This test is designed to see what you would score by the time you graduate. So how we score as a seventh grader does not matter. The Duke Talent Search Program does not matter. And Frankly, I wouldn't even let my kids take it as a seventh grader. I, I, I don't care. I don't, I don't want to know what their score would be. I don't want them comparing scores. And I said this in episode one. If you do have your seventh grader take the ACT, or if you're a seventh grader listening to these episodes and you decide to take the ACT, that's fine. Uh, you can do what you want. Uh, no big deal. But I would encourage you not to share your scores. I just think that's good policy. I don't think as a seventh grader you need to tell anybody what you made because it doesn't matter. And I don't want you hearing about Sarah who made a 30 or a you know 28 as a seventh grader. Like, oh my gosh, she's so smart. I only made 21. Come on, man. 21's a great score. And you're a seventh grader. And then I also don't want you to make the 25 and you know your friends make 19s. And all of a sudden you start thinking you're so smart because you made a 25 on an ACD. It doesn't matter. So in my opinion, you don't need to take the ACD as a seventh grader. And if you do want to take it, that's fine. You can do what you want. I just wouldn't share the scores. So that is the third misconception of this episode, that you should take the ACT as a seventh grader. Uh, I don't think you should. All right. 
So let's go to the fourth misconception of this episode. The fourth misconception is that you should preview the questions in reading and science. All right, now I know what a lot of listeners are thinking. Some of you are uh, reading experts or you help students in these sections and you're already thinking, okay, this guy is off his rocker because yes, it helps if you preview the questions in reading and in science. Well, to me, this is a common misconception because it is typically taught broad-based to an entire group that the group, meaning each student in the group, should preview the questions in reading and in science. That is not true. Are there some in that group that should do that? Sure. I have no doubt that some in the class or the group would score higher if those students previewed the questions. But to tell all students they should preview the questions is absolutely not true. It is a common misconception. It drives me absolutely nuts when I hear people teach to groups that they all should preview the questions in reading. It's not true because some students get more confused by previewing the questions than if they just started reading the passage, and some students shouldn't read the passage at all. In a previous episode, I covered the reading strategies. I covered the percents of those, and I'll just give you my very quick uh, story on this that I shared earlier in an episode, but I'll share it again. I, I, I believe that. I was told that you should preview the questions in reading comprehension. That's what all the best readers did, I was told. That's what every person that I thought was an expert said to do. Prep books would even say to do it. So I go to my ACTs, and guess what? I'm previewing the questions. Well, I'm just telling you, I really struggled with this. Now, part of it, you know, everybody's different. But part of it is, I said this last episode, I got a lot going on in my, in my mind. I have a real hard time concentrating. If there were, if I would have been in school today, rather than back in the 80s and 90s, they would have tested me for every hyperactivity, uh, attention deficit. I mean, I would have every one of those Ds labeled to me, ADD, ADHD. I always tell people they would have added W-E-I-R-D to me. I mean, I, I have them all. And here's what happened. I'm trying to preview the questions, and then all I can think about is those questions. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to find those keywords. I got to find it. It made me a mental wreck. Finally, I had taken the test a, a bazillion times and I decided I better figure out what works for me. And so I started trying different things, like maybe not previewing, not reading it at all. And that's when I figured out what worked best for me, which was not previewing. And in that episode on the reading strategies, I explained that about 48% of today's high school test takers do score highest if they preview the questions. In reading, about 48%. But that means that over half of the students are scoring highest if they don't preview the questions. About 44% score highest if they don't read if, if, if they read the passage first, then answer the questions, and about 8% score highest if they don't read the passage at all. So it is a common misconception that everyone should preview the questions. Science is the same way. Some people really believe you should look at the questions before you read the passages or look at the tables or graphs. 
how do you know? You got to try it. I'm great with you trying it, previewing, and trying it without. But the only way you know is if you practice. That's it. So don't believe that everyone should do it the same way. It's not true. It's a misconception. And you want to find out what works best for you. All right, number five. The last misconception of this episode is you should read the directions before each section. Listen to me. Do not read directions on the ACT. Now, people think I'm crazy when I say that. I'm not. Quit reading the directions. Do you know above English, there are two giant paragraphs of directions? There's no reason to read it. Why? They're the exact same directions on every test. Now, listen, I, I, I'm a little bit of a rule follower, okay? And I've trained my kids to be that way. So here's, here's the problem. I, I go to my ACT. Uh, now, remember now, I'm, I'm, a, I'm just a freshman in high school. I go to the ACT. I start English, got these two giant paragraphs. Well, I read the directions. They, they, they said, read the directions carefully before you begin. Now, come on. I've, I'm like a lot of you. I've been in class before where the teacher handed out a quiz, and I worked that quiz, and I finished, and I walked up and handed it in, and everybody else handed it in, and then after the test, the teacher said, hey, uh, if you did this test, you should have read the directions, because the last sentence of the directions said, if you read these directions, sit there quietly, don't do the test, and after 10 minutes or whatever, hand your test in, and you'll make 100. Well, I was, look, I mean, the ACT's never going to do that. They're never going to say, hey, have you read these? So listen, quit reading them. They don't do that on ACTs. That's like that stuff from high school, all right? And so what happened to me, though, I read the directions the first ACT. Then I go to my second ACT. Well, the, the lady in charge said, read the directions carefully before you begin. I read the directions again. Yeah, guess what? They were the exact same directions. I go to my third ACT, I'm reading the directions again. And what's nuts is I was a slow reader, like super slow. The dude next to me is turning his page. I'm still on the directions, man. And after that third time I'm reading that, I remember I said to myself, like, oh, my gosh, these are the same directions every time. I already know what this says. Yeah, I never read them again. Don't read the directions. And then I see ACT sometimes. They tweet out about how important it is to read the directions. Are you kidding me? I, listen, don't you dare read the stinking directions on an ACT. That's the dumbest thing I've ever read. You read them the night before if you're stressed about it. Get that booklet from the counseling office. It's free, preparing for the ACT test. It's free. It's in the counseling office. It's an actual ACT that was recently given. You can go online. You can Google search. Preparing for the ACT test, PDF, ACT.org. And the first link that appears below the ad there will be a download to that free test that ACT gives students so they can see what the ACT is like. It, again, it's one of the national ACTs that was recently given. The directions are in there. Above English, the two giant paragraphs. Above math, it's a smaller paragraph. But reading sides, all the directions are in there. And if you really are stressed about it, read it before you ever go. Never waste time on a time test reading directions that have already been given to you. It's the dumbest thing ever. I cannot believe they keep tweeting that stuff out. 
Every time they tweet, I want to quote that tweet and just go, morons. I mean, that's the dumbest thing ever. Don't read directions on an ACT. There's no reason to read them. They're the same every time. All right. So I get fired up about that one because it bothers me. And I know I read them my first three times. And the sad thing is most students aren't going to take the ACT enough times to figure that out. And they're going to keep wasting time. And then they don't finish. And I, man, to think that a student might have three questions left at the end and he has to guess on those three because he ran out of time. What if he simply wouldn't have read the directions, he'd had time. It just drives me nuts. So never read directions on an ACT. Well, that's a, that's a fast a run through of five common misconceptions. I'm going to do one more week of this. Uh, we're all rolled through uh, another series of misconceptions. And I, I think hopefully those will give you uh, some great tips as well. Just some things that maybe you're doing that you don't need to or that you shouldn't. And uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully you'll be able to apply some of these as you go and, and start raising scores. And certainly that will be the key. Now, again, you can go to calendar.chadcargo.com and see my classes that I have scheduled. And uh, man, I got a bunch of them, uh, especially uh, by the time you're listening to this episode, um, you will, uh, I'll be going almost every day. And so uh, get on that, calendar.chadcargo.com. Hopefully you're going to find one close to you. And I know some of you are in, you know, way around the country uh, that are listening to this. I mean, I've gotten responses from this uh, podcast from a lot of different areas of the United States. And if you, um, if you do not see a class close to you, I can come to you. So reach out, email me, chat at chatcargo.com, call our office, my assistant Penny. You can call 405-454-3233, 405-454-3233, and you can get a hold of Penny, and she'll be able to help you, and we can get something set up there. But the calendar is changing as schools are, you know, making decisions with COVID and how they're going to handle this. So calendar.chatcargo.com, see what the latest is. Again, by the time this airs next week, um, I will be, the day this airs, I will be at Christian Heritage in Lewis City. And then the next day I'll be in uh, Ozark, Arkansas for Arkansas Tech. Um, I've got uh, several workshops in Oklahoma throughout September. And then at the end of September, September 29th, that'll be the one that is at Tulsa Union High School. Uh, that's, uh, it'll be an evening class, easy availability for everyone uh, who might want to drive into that. And they have a lot of room there. Uh, the next morning, I'll be in Moore High School. And then the next morning, I will be down in West Texas by Abilene in Anson, Texas. Uh, just a fantastic school. And so then you can look into October, and I've got a bunch of classes again in October. Uh, back in Arkansas some. Um, and I'll be up in Missouri. I've got a lot of different classes around, and hopefully you'll be able to get one close to you. You can also get the prep book on my website, chadcargo.com. You can also check out the academy. I'm, I'm working on the uh, academy courses. I've got my mastermind groups open if you're interested in those. Um, it's a way that I can work with you directly, and uh, that'll be a way I can work with the parents and the students and do a lot of one-on-one -on -one with you. So that is something you can look at as well. Again, all of that is on academy.chadcargill.com. Now, I try to share with you what I'm reading. I want to, you know, it's something I try to periodically do as we, uh, as, I, as I do these episodes. I usually try to ask the guests 
what they're reading. We know it's important to read. I mean, people who read win, and I want you to win. And uh, I may do an episode over uh, some key books that I think every high school student should be reading. And I can tell you right now, question behind the question, QBQ is going to be right at the top of that list. It is probably the most impactful book, a very simple read, uh, one of the most impact, impactful books I've read other than the Bible itself. But uh, anyway, uh, this week I finished, actually, uh, I'm recording this early, so uh, there'll be, when I say this week, um, I, I recently, at the, the week of recording this, let's say it that way, I finished a book called Nut Jobs, and Nut Job was a great book. Uh, it was about a uh, uh, organized crime. I, I have an orchard, and we have a lot of uh, fruit and nut trees and, and berry bushes, and uh, it was about, uh, in the Central Valley of California, about how this organized crime spree went, where they stole over $10 million worth of almonds and pistachios. So it was fascinating. It was an audible original, and they do a great job on those, and so uh, I finished that one. Uh, I'm about to finish the uh, prequel on The Hunger Games, and oh God, it's so good. So uh, the Ballad of Songbirds, and I don't remember exactly what they, uh, exactly what the title is. Let me see. It's uh, the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes by Suzanne Collins, and wow, it is fantastic. And so I'm just about done with that one. I've got several more that I'm going to be doing, so I'll tell you about those next week, hopefully. But uh, anyway, I hope you're reading and uh, make that a habit. Read a little bit every day. Just think it's important that if we're reading as we go, it's going to be good. I, I had my uh, my two oldest uh, young kids. I mean, I've got Camden's 21, junior in college. Casey is 19, sophomore in college. But then my my two younger ones who are fifth grade, my oldest of my younger ones, uh, Clarity and Creed, I had them read Do Hard Things this summer. Do Hard Things by, uh, I think it's by Alex and Brent Harris, I believe. I don't have it in front of me here. But uh, that'll be uh, one that will for sure hit the list as well of uh, recommended readings for high school students. And uh, even though my kids are young, it was still worth their reading and some discussion. So Do Hard Things is a great book and one that I certainly would recommend for high school students as well. I, I had them read that. So, okay, well, that's, that's enough of my reading discussion this week. Well, I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave a review. Just if you're on Apple Podcasts, click on that five-star button, leave a short review. Uh, state what high school your kid goes to or if you're a student, where you go. And you can even mention what group you're in. And I'll give a shout-out to that group. And uh, I'd love to do that and read what you wrote uh, on a future podcast episode. That would be awesome. And so uh, just take a few moments and leave that. I would really all right, next week I'll be back with you to wrap up the common misconceptions of the ACT and how to avoid those. So I hope you'll join me again, not only next week, but each week throughout the school year as I bring you a new episode. All right, well, thank you so much for listening. Have a great week.